Praise the Lord. We are carrying on on this beautiful journey of ours through the gifts of the Spirit as I just grab something to drink. And I, I just want to quickly remind you of why we are so incredibly focused on this at this time. We really feel that God is stirring us all to, to be contributors. You know what? I was, um, I was watching a sports event yesterday quickly. Um, some rugby was being played and and, and there's this massive stadium where probably we are 50,000 people and there's um, 30 guys running around with a ref trying to help them make sure that they do what they need to do and shouldn't do. And, and the idea that you have is that we're all sitting there and we're spectating what 30 guys are doing. And so often that is a picture of the church, unfortunately. You've got thousands of people watching what one or two are doing on the playing field. And we all marvel at them. We're like, oh, where can we go where we can be more entertained? The danger of that, ladies and gentlemen, is that we actually participate in church to the extent where we want to be more entertained and, and where we, we prefer to go where we can be better entertained. Where the music is great. Where the preaching suits me. Where the setup is, man, could we not find air conditioners in this place and then... How many people would be then perhaps draw? Because that'll be nice and suitable and a big generator that can manage all of that. And then the crowd would become bigger so that we can observe what the guys on the playing field are doing. It's like a few of them up on the stage and like, where to go, where to go, that was nice. Great coffee afterwards. <laughs> I'll probably go around and see where I can perhaps find better coffee next time or whatever. The point is this, is that unfortunately sometimes that's what the church has become. We should be a people, and I'm not against a preaching where there's thousands of people, but the church should be a, a people where we celebrate this side of the pulpit and not just this side. Amen? We've often said that to one another. The power of the church is on this side. It's you guys. And so don't ever compare the church to a soccer event or a rugby event or a cricket event where crowds are coming in to watch and observe and we all go away talking about, how was that for you? Yeah, I don't like those guys. I don't know. They should select some different players. Uh-huh. <laughs> or the ref again. <laughs> Everybody has something to say about the referee always. The point is, is the church is not that. The church exists for the benefit of the non-believers. We actually That's our main purpose. It's the only institution in the world where we actually exist for the, for the benefit of our non-members. So we actually are there to be equipped to go out and be the light. And so when you consider the gifts, you can again understand that the gifts are there, not for us to come to a meeting where we spectate what God's going to be doing through those five guys again that are operating in those seven gifts. Man, last time it was spectacular. This week it will be even better. That's why I find well, a simple thing. It's just a philosophy of ministry that we feel we need to have. Is we don't advertise who of the elders will be preaching on a Sunday. Because we don't want to build it around a gift or a person. It is what God is speaking to us. And it's in a sense irrelevant. And we as elders have a responsibility to make sure that the voices that go out from this are godly voices. And people that we're engaging relationally and amongst the elders and whoever else comes. Those are friends of ours. But we don't just celebrate this more than what it should be. I am not 
called Pastor Vesey because of my preference. I don't want you to build around my task and my role. I want you to get to know me. And so please don't call me Pastor. I am just Vesey. And we deliberately try to pull away from this mindset that the man of God for the hour has arrived. And look how he's dressed today. <laughs> anyway, so I, I, we, we, we know not in any way am I mocking or disqualifying people that may do it in another way or a different way. But this is what we feel we need to do amongst us to make sure that you guys are celebrated. And not the person here more than anybody else. Amen? And so the gifts exist for common good. The gifts exist not just for one person to be elevated and recognized. Like, oh, wow, that man or that woman is gifted. Now you all are. Say with me all. None of, uh, not all of you said that. I can sense it. <laughs> Say with me all. That that includes you. Say me. That each one of you need to recognize that God, through His Spirit, if you're born again this morning, if you have a testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you have the Spirit of God within you, and you have been gifted. Some of you may not know what that gift is, because sometimes what we do is we're so focused on the gifts on other people that we don't recognize the gifts that we have. Come on. Sometimes we're like, yeah, I can see so-and-so. Man, that person is gifted. Okay, and you? Uh, no, no, they are. He is, she is. And, and part of our journey through these gifts is to help you understand the gifts, but also to see where you fit in. Because you are gifted. You said me. That's, that's the, the point that we're trying to make, that each one of us are gifted. And so the, the other thing that we do with, with this whole process of talking about the gifts is to help you understand that, that it's there for the good of everybody. That whatever gift you have is actually there for others to benefit from. Because we use the gifts, as Paul teaches us, to serve one another. And as we serve one another, the Bible also clearly teaches us that in this serving, God is glorified. So you know what? Part of your worship, Listen to me. Part of your worship to glorify God is to use your gift. Come along. Part of your worship to Jesus, worship is expressed in many ways. We just did it through song. But worship can be expressed through the way that you are faithful with your gift in serving others and bringing it for the common good. So if you hold back, you are not glorifying God. Come on. Part of our serving of Jesus is saying, God, I want to let this gift, this thing in my heart that I want to do, I want to encourage people. Lord, help me to be radical with that. <laughs> if I have mercy in my heart that I want to keep on expressing, God, I want to be radical with that. And so this is how the church is put on display. The way we serve each other. The way we use our gifts for the good of others. The way God is glorified. And that way the world becomes aware of the church. When the church is ridiculed, so often it's because of one individual, what this person does in his private life. And that should not be done wrong. I know people make mistakes. But the church at large is doing so much. 
And there's so many people using their gifts to go around and blessing the world. That one person making a mistake actually sometimes disqualifies the rest. And I think that's so sad. That's why let's all stand up. Not now, don't worry. Let's all stand up and say, God, my gift that I have, I want to use it for your glory. I want to be constantly looking at how I can serve other people so that your name will be exalted above all. And so please remember the beauty of, of your gift and what it can do. And so the gifts help us towards loving God, loving people, making disciples. The gifts are not just for a congregational gathering like this, where we come together and we, we encourage one another. Yeah, we should go beyond it. We should serve beyond this. Amen? Which brings us, TK, sorry, wherever you are. Um, we missed that moment. Um, I wanted to ask you to take up your Bibles and turn with me to Romans. We are still in Romans. Say with me, hallelujah. Yeah, it's good. I'm forcing you a little bit, but that's okay. Um, I like feedback. Amen. <laughs> so Romans chapter 12. We're um, in this portion. And from here on, we're going to go into the 1 Corinthians 12 portion. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll still carry on with those gifts. It says, um, to the one who exhorts, Encouragement we spoke about to the one who contributes. He must do it in generosity in verse 8. To the one who leads with zeal. So this morning, I'll talk to you about that. If the slides can come up. I want to talk to you about the gift of leading. Which is um, a beautiful, beautiful gift. And, and I want to talk about three aspects, first of all, that I want to consider with you when we talk about this gift. And I'm going to kind of like open it up a little bit wider than just a gift for now. Let's talk to you about the fact that leadership in the Bible is celebrated. We find that because of things go wrong in life, often it is, isn't it? You know, people get disappointed in marriage, and so they never want to get married anymore. People get disappointed in, in whatever field of, of life it is, or whatever area it may be, relationally, um, financially. Um, church-wise, people get disappointed. People get disappointed with leadership. And so we're like, oh, I just want to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want to get involved in that anymore. I don't want to submit to people. And unfortunately, we, we miss out on such a beautiful thing that God has given us. And so leadership in the Bible is, is very clear. We find, first of all, that God presents himself as the ultimate authority. That we have to understand that when we talk about leadership, we're actually talking about authority. Amen? How many of you love to hear that word authority? <laughs> it's not something that makes your heart jump and like, whoa, that's beautiful. When we talk about joy, when we talk about love and, and fellowship, those things like, that's a beautiful thing. They, they fall nicely onto my ears. But when we talk about authority, people are like, whoa, kind of like push that away. We shouldn't. First of all, God says himself in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 5 to 6, the king was saying, Jehoshaphat, he stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, listen to this, about what he says about God. Oh, Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. So God is the ultimate authority in our lives. 
I don't know if he is that to you today. I don't know what is perhaps the ultimate authority to you. What shouts the loudest? What gets the most intention? No, don't call your phone. And out now. But maybe that is. The, um, those little devices that we have that become so authoritative in our lives. God wants to be the ultimate authority. And so when we see this in Scripture, we talk about the basic idea of leadership. First of all, we can understand that God is the ultimate one. And our plea always will be submit to Him. Submit to God's authority. Submit to His guidance. Submit to His ways. Are you? Don't answer me. Answer God. How are you submitted this morning to the ultimate authority that God has over the kingdoms of the nations? We don't have ultimate authority. Nobody else should have ultimate authority in your life but God. The second thing that I want to talk about authority from the Bible is that God delegates authority. We see that in various ways in which He does that. We see that He delegates authority in church through local leadership called elders and deacons. We see that He does that in marriage, gives authority to a husband. And remember, when we talk about authority, we're talking about a godly way of leading, which is, I'll talk about it just now, we serve. That's what a leader really is. In family, he talks about authority that is delegated to parents, that children can be shown the way. In business, the Bible uses the word masters. Paul refers to that. He says, bond servants, submit to your masters. I'm not saying you've got to call the man or the woman a master, but it's the concept, the principle, that there should be a boss. There should be leadership. Amen. Imagine if there wasn't. Don't even consider how that would look like. And in government, he gives it to rulers. And sometimes we don't agree with government. None of you have that problem, I understand. But there are those, I mean, it's amazing. You can't imagine that there are people like that, that would have a problem with the government. But anyway, they say in South Africa it happens a lot. Um, Zimbabwe is amazingly. We're absconded from that, praise the Lord Jesus. <laughs> no, no, there, there are governments that God, there are not, oh, God institutes all governments. It doesn't make mention that he makes them godly. He just says a godly thing is that there will be a government. And the Word of God says that we need to submit to that. And this, is the, this is the challenge for us, is that we've had all these God-delegated authority structures in life, and none of you can tell me this morning that you were from any one of those. And like, uh, all five of them, uh, five, hey, I don't have them in my life. <laughs> Somewhere you are involved. If, if, if you're not involved in the first four, you're certainly involved in a nation where you live under the covering and the authority of what that government says you ought to do and not to do. Being in church, like most of you seem to be, there's authority that we need to consider. If you're married, that's a reality for you. If you're still a child, it's very relevant for you. If you're in business, come on, take it upon you to understand that there is a boss. Now, when we oppose those... Um, authority that the Lord has instituted. How many of you agree it's from God? Now the amens have become a little bit <laughs> less. It's God has instituted all of these authority structures. When we oppose any one of them, how many of that may be, I hope it won't be too many if you do, 
But if you do oppose them, the Bible says we're actually opposing God. So, so before we can talk about the gift of leading or leadership, we've got to just understand what, what God has instituted through authority. When we oppose any of this, we're actually opposing God. <laughs> All right, we'll step into the next thing. I'll leave that for you to think about. We'll come back to it a bit. The third thing I want to mention is that godly authority brings great blessing. See that? I'll just use two examples. And then there are hobos of them throughout Scripture, plenty of them, that you could go and look and see what blessing actually leadership brings into every context. We do know that even in the Bible, there has been, there are authority examples or leadership examples that were not so great. Amen? Some of you can think of that. That's your own homework a bit. But particularly here, we saw that when Moses stepped in and led the people, one of the things that he went and did, he went and spoke as God instructed him to Pharaoh and said, my God says, let my people go. Somebody had to go and see him. There were millions of people that were waiting on one man to speak to Pharaoh. There was leadership. And that leadership brought great blessing. Ultimately brought them to be freed from slavery and to be brought into a new country. We see as, as well in, in the book of Acts where thousands of people got saved. The, the, the leaders of the church, the disciples of Christ, which became known as the apostles, they had so much to do that they couldn't get to what they really needed to do. And so deacons were appointed to help carry the weight, carry the load. And so that brought great blessing. Now, in the context of what we're talking about, authority, the fourth point is rebellion against God's authority is actually opposing God. So Romans 13 says this. And I'll read it with you. Let every person subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God for there's no authority except from God shall I just read that again for there is no authority except from God those that exist have been instituted by God therefore whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. Wow. Let's just celebrate the gift of leadership and just talk about how nice it is. And, no, but we've got to understand the bigger picture, ladies and gentlemen, that whatever God brings into our context as a gift to us, and we start opposing it because people have done wrong things and have gone, have gone to the extreme in terms of using the opportunity to lead and to serve. When we kind of start opposing that, we're actually incurring judgment on ourselves. Oh. Sometimes when things go wrong to us, we often, God, where are you? What's happening? Why? Maybe I've brought that upon myself by the attitude that I have in any of those five areas that I'm placed where I need to understand that there's authority that I need to submit to. Wow. It's a wonderful sermon this morning, hey? It really makes you feel like, it's, oh, my heart is warmed by this. We're not referring here to authority 
that, um, that forces you to obey something that God is against. I'm not talking about obeying commands that are contrary to God's word. If a government, for instance, forces us into, and we find that in Scripture, where they were not allowed to preach the gospel, <laughs> the authorities told them, you're not allowed. Peter, John, you guys, you shut up your mouth. You're not going to preach this anymore. They said to them, we cannot stop what we are called to. They, their words were actually, we must obey God rather than men. And so we've got to be aware of the fact that there may be things that governments may, or people in authority, they may expect of us to do that are contrary to God's word. And so discern what those things may be at times. But most of the times, we do not find ourselves particularly, particularly in that environment. We mostly find ourselves where we have become disillusioned or disappointed with authority, and we just refuse. We just don't agree with them. We just don't like the people, and we don't want to obey. God says, what else? Watch out. What we're talking about is refusing to obey the godly authority that He has instituted in any of those five areas as mentioned. So let me get back then to Romans chapter 12. As we've just kind of painted a wider picture of what leadership and authority looks like. The gift of leading here in Romans chapter 12, the word actually means to lead. That's very simple. It says they're leading. To manage, to be in charge, to oversee, or to rule. It talks about the ability to organize, administrate, to make things happen, to mobilize people. Also, a beautiful way to explain it is it actually talks about someone who stands before others, not in terms of more importance. But it's just somebody that comes up and says, I'm not talking about coming up on a stage, but just a group of people, whoever they are, a family, a father that says, hey, this is where we're going to go. This is how we're going to do. And if it is a single parent situation, that single parent needs to do it, whether it's male or female. So it's somebody that stands before and takes a lead in following Christ and knowing that people will follow you in this. So you lead in such a way that you make it possible for people to follow you. It is that person, for instance, that walks into a situation and, and notices what is out of order, what the missing link is. And you find those people, you can see that there is that gift upon them. They can go into a situation, they can pick up, ah, this is out of sync. This is not right. Let me help you. Let me do this. It's just taking the responsibility of managing things. It's a beautiful gift. It's a person who sees details and know what needs to be done to bring change and get the job done. They don't go around bossing people. Because the church don't need more bosses, and managers. What the church really needs is, is, is people to lead but with a servant heart. Church is in desperate need for that, actually. Because what we have often done is we brought the systems of the world. We need bosses out there. We need managers, and I understand that. And we bring that structure into the life of the church without understanding that, actually, essentially, we need to firstly have servants. Now, not all servants are leaders, but all leaders need to be servants. Did you hear that? talks about people whom God has given the ability to take others somewhere 
where they may not go by themselves. And that's the reality. We don't in any way try to present this person as being better than anybody else and say, well, praise the Lord for leaders because if they weren't around, then none of you would go anyway. No, it's just a gift that God brings into a certain context. And he says, I want to use this person to help others go where they perhaps would not go themselves. And perhaps through that, that person enables and, and also equips the others to do the same, also to become leaders. We cannot function without leadership. Now, if you compare this to the other gifts that we have in Romans 12 and also in 1 Corinthians 12, you see that this gift seems to be a little bit different. In what way, would you ask? I, I want to say to you this morning that there's something about this gift that is somewhat of a key. It's not the most important one. It's not more important because the Bible doesn't teach us that. But imagine the gifts of the Spirit operating with some form of leadership. Imagine just we get together and we're here on a Sunday and nobody takes leadership here. And there's no administration. There's no um, structure to what we do. And we're like, okay, it's not quarter past nine. Is anybody going to do something? No, I don't know. Just have another cup of coffee. And I don't know who's leading I have no idea, but it's wonderful to get together. Let's serve each other. Oh, yeah, that's an idea that somebody came up with then. I bet you if we as elders don't do anything here on a Sunday and we just let it go, one or two or three or four of you will get up and like, okay, now we've got to make something happen. This is, this is a bit crazy. There's no structure here. We've got to just, okay, where's what's happening? And Come on. It's just a need for leadership. It's like a family that they need to get to. Let's not talk about church on a Sunday. Let's talk about they need to get to a particular sports event at such and such a time. And and everybody's just, what time are we going to wake up tomorrow morning, mom? Ah, whatever. <laughs> I think I've got cricket at eight. Yeah, we'll see. And who's going to take us there? I don't know. We'll see. And in the morning, everybody's like, up for seven. They're around in the kitchen. Nobody's really dressed for this occasion. And and nobody's instituting some sort of a guideline and, and, and of how this is going to happen. It's chaos. I mean, you know that it's just not going to work. Amen? There needs to be leadership. But what we've done with leadership is leadership has been abused. And therefore, when we talk leadership, everybody goes, they cringe. Like, mm -hmm. Now we've got to, again, redeem the beauty of this gift and see that it's incredibly necessary. And help each other. And where we as leaders make mistakes, come help us. Speak to us. We're not perfect. The local church is a gift that must be evident, first of all, in the lives of elders and deacons. And in people who take responsibility in various areas of ministry. But you know what? This gift actually starts at home. It starts at home. The gift must first bring order to our homes before we can use it anywhere else. Oh, isn't it true that so many times we talk about this, we try to be heroes out there, but villains at home. And this gift, ladies and gentlemen, is so incredibly crucial at each home. Each one of you come from a home. There must be leadership there. It must be godly leadership that brings this, 
this understanding of we actually serve the ultimate authority in life. I am not the ultimate authority in my life, in my family, as the, as the Father. God is. So I direct, I lead, I serve my children and my wife towards that. And so that is such an incredible key. But it's interesting, I just thought about this, that in the church in Corinth, if you have read the book or the letter to the first Corinthian or the first Corinthian letter, you'll find that there are many problems in that church. <laughs> talks about adultery, immorality, talks about division among the believers, talks about who's more important than the other, talks about mockery of communion. There's so many things that went wrong. But the interesting thing is that Paul, when he talks about these things, it seems like there was an absence of leadership there. He doesn't talk about, guys, you need to submit to the leaders. And I know that Paul was involved in planting this and, 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 and others were involved. But at the time of him writing this letter, it seemed like, it seemed, all right? Say with me, seemed. It seemed like there was an absence of leadership, which could have, could have contributed to the, the situation of the, the problems that they've had. Tony, if you remove leadership from something, a particular situation, something serious could go wrong. A church without this cannot really be seen as a church. And I, I want to just throw it out there that we have many people, you know, doing things and, and they they oh, we don't want to go to church anymore. We'll do a little thing at home. And a church without a leader is not a church. Because the Bible defines a church as a group of people where there's an elder, there's a deacon, and there's saints. So you remove leadership, you remove the definition of what a church looks like. So we cannot profess that there are churches and they have no leaders. That's not a church, ladies and gentlemen. It's just a group of people gathering and having fun. That's fine. They can do that. But don't call yourself a church then. All right? You're good still? God has designed the church to have leaders. God has designed leadership to function in those situations. The reality, though, is that the work in any church cannot be done by the elders and deacons only. Although there are people that need to lead, we need to help. We need to lead in such a way that the other gifts could find their place too. So if I lead in such a way that the focus is on me and that you're constantly looking at me, I'm not empowering you, I'm not equipping you, I'm not releasing you into your gift, and actually the whole church suffers as a result. We cannot just build the church on one gift. Or the preaching, the preacher is just amazing. So we come for the preaching on a Sunday. And then if the preacher is not there, what? Does the church have a foundation? Because Christ is our foundation. Christ has come to say, listen, I've called every one of you. We call it the priesthood of the believer. That every one of you are called priests. You're a priest, a priest unto him. And then to serve one another. I am not the one, and the elders are not the one, and the deacons in this church will not be the people that, that we hinge everything on. It is collectively, we encourage you, we serve one another so that you can operate in your gift. So leaders are servants of Christ, they're servants of the people. It's probably up here. Um, they're stewards of the gospel. I think I put it up there, yeah. So this is what leaders are. 
They're servants of Christ. We first of all serve our Christ. You can take time to go through these verses. They're servants of the people. We serve each other. They're stewards of the gospel. You've got to make sure that the gospel is kept pure, that it's not infiltrated with all sorts of strange doctrines. And then lastly, the leaders are to be judged by God, first of all. Let's not, first of all, judge each other. That's not our responsibility. God is. He says, I will. I will ask an account. So I stand before you with that huge responsibility. I'm not, sometimes you actually want to run away from that. The reality is that we judge one another too often. Or we judge leaders. That's God's job. Leave it up to him. He's much better at it than we are. It is crucial to function with the gift of leadership. It is so crucial to have that leadership function in every church. But listen to this. It is as crucial to also function under the gift of leadership. So if you're called to be a leader, be a leader. But every person, every leader has to also function under leadership. None of us are exempt from that. I'm not. Nobody is. All of us have a degree towards we need to submit to authority. And, and all those five areas, I'm definitely, I'm submitted to the elders on our team. I'm submitted to apostolic voices beyond our own church. I'm submitted to friends that have the right to speak into my life. That I've invited and said, please, I need your help. So none of us are exempt. So when we consider ourselves to be part of anything, and particularly the local church, you need to understand that you can sit and experience and, and, and love the gift of leadership among you, but are you under any authority? That's the question. Removing ourselves from every cover or any cover of, or authority, we start moving away from complete obedience to God, and it becomes partial obedience. Partial obedience equals disobedience. I say, God, I'll obey you over here. But when it comes to this thing of authority and, and submitting, uh, I'll leave that one. That's partial obedience, ladies and gentlemen, which equals disobedience. All of us, as I said, are called to live under authority. God's authority firstly, and then those years ordained in our lives. If you're part of a local church, if you're part of King City Church, the gift of leadership is there to experience and I hope to enjoy but part of our responsibility is also to live under that, is to submit ourselves to it. We're connected to any church. According to the Bible, we are called to submit to God. We're called to submit to the leaders. We listen to them. We talk to them. We may even disagree with them, but that's fine. I've disagreed with leaders plenty of times. But I don't throw out the principle of being under authority. We serve one another. We serve our leaders. We help them help to make their job easier. And particularly in whatever environment you are in where you need to serve and to submit. Make the job of your leader easier, whether it's in business, wherever it may be. I want to tell you there are not many more difficult things in life to, uh, to handle when you have people amongst you that are out to correct you the whole time. And it's lovely to have. <laughs> like every time you step over here like there's a correction that they feel they just want to lovingly bring 
the gift of leadership, I believe, is, is something that, that, that draws attention. and People notice it, like a tall tree thing. But also it's there so that it can bring shade and cover for the people in its vicinity. And we are nobody better than anybody else. But we exist to serve and to guide people into where God wants them to go. And if you have that call upon your life to lead, lead well. Lead yourself. Lead well. We are encouraged to bring our gifts into the church, but we are also encouraged to bring ourselves into submission to our leaders. Hebrews 13 verse 17, it actually is. It should be 17 that way. I want to read this to you. Just to reemphasize the beauty of this. This is a wonderful preach, hey? It's like one of those that you know, people just getting excited more and more as I talk. Um, but these are the things that help us and that provide guidance for us. And, and, and I said to Samin this morning, I don't think I've ever preached about this in King City Church in this way. Um, but it's so important. It says in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Ultimately, he is the judge. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Mm. So, just a plea, not for myself. Forget about me. Forget about just what I'm asking for myself. Not at all. I'm talking about leaders in your life. Are you making it a joy for them to lead you? Because it's a huge responsibility. Many of you are leaders in various areas. If you want your people to, to listen, to follow, and to make it a joy for you, are you making it a joy for the one that you are submitted to? Are you submitted to anyone? Is perhaps the first question you need to ask. Or are you just roaming around? The general call to lead is very clearly lastly in the Bible. As much, as much as this gift is needed in the local church, it is needed in all the areas as mentioned before. So there is a general call for us all to lead. We have the beautiful thing of this gift that is in the Word, and, and I believe that it really helps to bring guidance and structure for the other gifts. But this gift is also something that should be operational at home. Go and lead at home. You need to lead at home, go and lead. You need to lead your children, go and lead them. Don't let the internet lead them. You lead them. And if you need to repent this morning of not having done that, I pray, my friend, that you will do it. Because ultimately, your child could turn into something that you regret one day because you didn't lead when they were supposed to be led. It's your responsibility. It's not the church. It's not King's kids' responsibility to lead your children. We support what you are doing already. You've got to lead your friends. Many of your friends, they need leadership. They need guidance. Many of your colleagues may need that. But it starts with leading yourself. You've got to think about your life where you want it to go. And it's not just dependent upon this gift that you need to get from God. God has said to you, I have given you life and death. What are you going to choose? Choose life. That's a decision of leading yourself on the wrong 
no, the right path. If you choose the other, not life, you choose the wrong path. And so this morning, I don't know where you stand with having made the right decisions about your life, about leading it. The best thing that you can decide for yourself is to lead it towards Christ. If you've never done that, please make that call. Our final slide is this. We start being fruitful with the gift and we be fruitful under the gift. I believe we can actually be more fruitful with the gift if we find ourselves under the gift of leadership. And so this is not a plea to come and kneel here. It's just nothing to do with that about man. It's Lord, I submit unto your, under your authority and your delegated authority. I can't separate these two from each other. If I say yes to God, I'm saying yes to this. And a lot of people would say, well, I love God, but I don't like His church. So you're submitting to God, but you're not submitting to His delegated authority. I don't appreciate that which God has instituted. So this morning I'm asking you, if you're submitted to His authority, ask yourself the question, are you submitted to His delegated authority in the same way? It's a big, big topic for us. I don't know if any of the elders want to add something. Clive? Okay. Wilton? You want to just quickly? Yeah, please. We are talking about church leadership, kingdom leadership, not the world leadership. Please don't confuse the two so that you are not confused. But maybe to just pray for what this has taught, let me just read Clive like you said yesterday. First Peter chapter 5. Let me see where I can begin. Uh, verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care the leaders, watching over them. Leadership watches over us. Leadership is instructed to take care of us, not because you must, but because you are willing. That is about leadership. As God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest games, but eager to serve, not lotting it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That's that. In the same way, you who are younger, all of us here, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Here, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. It takes humility to be led. It takes humility to submit your life to somebody to help you, to take care of you. Ladies and gentlemen, the church of God, the kingdom of God is about leadership, leading one another towards the goal of being like Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for teaching us your leadership, the kingdom leadership, the heaven leadership. In the past, Lord, how we have been socialized, we have been socialized under worldly leadership, which is opposed to your ethos, opposed to your word, opposed to your reasons why you created leadership. This morning, I pray for enlightenment 
I pray for wisdom that we may understand leadership as you instituted it in the kingdom of our God. Help us to delearn the earthly things and learn the kingdom ethos of your leadership, the patterns of your leadership. We give you praise, honor, and the glory that our hearts are open to lead and to be led so that we can continue to lead. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.